and welcome once again to the Apocalypse Podcast, the podcast about eating an entire pig called Bebop. I'm Chief Taste Tester Sam, and I am joined, of course, by the one and only chef, James Bellardi. How are you today, James? I'm very well. I'm excited to talk about pork. So, pick up your knife and pork and let's dive in. Do you like that one? That was very good. Thank you. (laughs) This week, we are talking about baby back, baby back, baby back ribs. Wow. James, what are baby back ribs? They are not from a baby. Excellent. They are they they are part of the rib cage. They're the lower part of the rib cage. You might remember back in was it episode one or two? We one did, episode one. We did the uh, spare, spare ribs, yep. which are the sort of the bigger ribs, uh, up towards the top of the rib cage where it meets the collarbone and the shoulder, and then these are sort of further down the uh, abdomen. Um. So they're from the back, right? No. Oh, yeah, that's why they're called baby back ribs. Oh, is that right? Let's uh, get our story straight about oh, that, shall oh, we? Yeah, okay, fine. Um, my think said that they're taken from around the loin, from my research, yeah. um, and they're part of the muscle that runs along the pig's back on either side of the spine. Oh, well, I'm glad that someone did their research on this episode, because I didn't. Well, that would be why I'm hosting it, right? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so anyway, they're curvier and shorter than spare ribs, hence being called baby. Nothing to do with being from babies or from piglets. Great. Well, I'm glad to hear it. So there's lots of lean meat between the bones and on top of the bones. Yeah. When you go and buy ribs in, in like British restaurants, they tend to be baby back, don't they? I think they do because they're more expensive. Yeah. And there's not as much of them. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Yeah. Demand is higher, so they're more expensive. Chic. Chic ribs. <laughs> Trendy ribs. <laughs> but really tender as well. And that's probably why you get them in restaurants as well, rather than the spare ribs, which take a really long time to cook. Yeah, also I think they're a bit less faffy to eat as well. Like the, the spare ribs are the sort of more... Yeah, a bit more dainty, I guess. Yeah. But if you remember how long the spare ribs took to cook, oh, this was I a different ballpark, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so before we get into our science and history and geography section, um, as ever, don't forget, if you've got any thoughts or would just like to share some recipes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching for The Apocalypse Podcast or as I now want to keep calling it, Porkcast, mm. or find us at apocalypsepodcast.com. So over to you for the science bit the muscles involved are essentially the external abdominal oblique okay uh, which is a big old muscle which goes right from the sort of bottom of the belly right up towards the spine as you say um and then there's uh, sort of intercostal muscles in between those um in terms of like what it does for a pig functionally what they're there to do is to protect the internal organs that's what ribs do and the muscles there just sort of hold it together really it can be quite tough meat which is why ribs tend to take you know minimum minimum two hours to cook properly but you know it, it's sort of medium toughness if you were to grade pig muscle from sort of extremely tough to not it's kind of in the middle i also was reading about how um these have a natural tapering because they are obviously the natural tapering of the pig's rib cage mm. um and also if you get you should get about 10 to 13 ribs in each rack and if you get less than 10 a butcher calls them cheetah's racks. Ouch. That's interesting. You know, I always wonder when I get ribs, right, is it better to go for sort of the slightly longer one at one end, which is thinner and got less meat on it, or to go for the tapered edge, which is a shorter rib, but there tends to be more meat on it. And what I would like to do, but I have not used the opportunity to do with Bebop, is to individually weigh the grams of meat <laughs> <laughs> within those within each rib to find out where the ultimate rib is. Like if you were to steal a rib from someone's plate, which end do you go from? 
Well, thanks for that. I too am glad that we did not do that. In terms of the history, did you know that the term was first mentioned in the 1960s in Chicago restaurants? I think there's a bit of an idea that maybe this has got some kind of antebellum barbecue history, but it's a relative newcomer to the barbecue scene. Were people like just calling it ribs before then? Or what were, what were people saying? Interesting. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I don't know what people were saying before. Well, I don't know if they were eating the ribs, to be honest, before, because... This kind of like southern US style cooking was more driven by like the rise of industrial meat packing, refrigeration, and like having big commercial barbecue stands. So I read somewhere that they used to put a lot of the pork in barrels when they were shipping it. Mm. And the rib cages on like a on a adult pig were so big they didn't fit. So, you know, sometimes they couldn't ship them on the trains and so they just gave them away for free. People were getting loads and loads of ribs for free. Wow, sounds like paradise. (laughs) Yeah, your kind of paradise. (laughs) Um, And you will be not surprised to know that um, in a lot of Southeast Asian cooking, in Chinese and Japanese cooking in particular, they braise baby back ribs quite a lot. Of course they do. In Goa, Mm. um, they eat a lot of pork and they use this cut in Vindaloo. Really? Mm. They can do, yeah, because it's quite nice tender meat. I read about a couple of other quite interesting things, like in Poland, and they braise it quite a lot in alcohol, in like a dark beer or a whiskey. Um, sounds interesting. Sounds delicious. But what did we do with them, James? Uh, we did two different types, actually. Uh, one, we Berber smoked them. Now, did this recipe come from The Guardian or something? Where did we get this? Yeah, I think we were um, just looking up interesting things to do, and we came across this um, Ethiopian-style recipe. Yeah, so the interesting thing about Berber ribs is... You know, coffee was quite a significant part of the marinade and and part of the sauce as well. So you have to kind of get through this idea that coffee can work as a as a savory element. You know, it wasn't that sweet, and it had lots of those other earthy flavors that you expect to go into like a barbecue sauce. But nonetheless, it was distinct. Should we call it? Yeah, I found it a bit much. The sauce, right. Do you remember I asked um, to have my sauce on the side mm. rather than all over the ribs and then was proved right, as we'll talk about in the tasting. Um, and what was the second recipe that we did? Memphis style. So classic, right? Yeah. like, But we just did that in the oven. That wasn't on the barbecue. That wasn't smoked. And we shared it with your dad. Lucky him. Mm. They were two cuts that we had um, back in September, actually. Um, when we were still having a bit of an Indian summer and we were still barbecuing. Mm. But they cooked really quickly. If you remember episode one when, you know, we were up like at midnight waiting for the spare ribs to be cooked. Yeah. These were a relatively short affair. So, on to the taste. The Berber ribs. What did you think of them? I mean, so the rib meat itself was delightful and I'm so glad that we've got this wonderful organic pig to kind of really, really... Uh, you know, bring home that porky taste when you need it. I think that the Berber style of cooking is uh, fascinating and I like the idea of it in small amounts. To have, you know, 600 grams of ribs in front of you, which slightly tastes a bit like coffee, it's a lot to get your head around. Do you know what I mean? I mean, very, very, very tasty, but perhaps I would have just gone a little bit less on the sauce and, and just enjoyed the natural flavouring of the meat. So the Berber ribs we did on the barbecue. Yeah. And I had mine with just the barbecue rub and the sauce on the side. So Mm. I found mine very soft and tender. 
they had really good crust on the outside and normally we are cooking food because we had it in a country that we've already been to and we really loved it but actually despite the overpowering nature of the berber sauce now we want to go to ethiopia it's like got us really excited and we did lots more research about the food and about the country so you know that's probably as close as we can get to travel right now and we're traveling through bebop indeed the memphis barbecue ribs we cooked a little bit differently right Oh, yeah. Well, we did that kind of classic style, albeit in the oven rather than on the barbecue. And basically, it was outrageous. It was just delicious. I mean, so tender, so moist. The rub is just like a classic. I think it's called Memphis Dust was the recipe that I found. It's your classic barbecue flavours. doesn't overpower the pork, but just really permeates right through the middle. And, I mean, we polished it off and then some. I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. The fat had really rendered down into the meat. It was really nice and soft and tender. Wasn't overpowered by its marinade. Beautifully porky, we wrote on our notes mm. at the time. And arguably a little bit more tender than the ones on the barbecue, right? Yeah. Overall, how would you score, out of 10, the Berber ribs? Like, I want to be generous. So I'm going to say it's like a high 6 out of 10. Does that make sense? Yeah, see, because obviously I chose a superior way of eating it, I'd go for an eight. Wow. Yeah, I really loved it. Okay. And for the Memphis barbecue ribs? I feel like before we go on to the Memphis barbecue ribs, I feel like as an introduction to Berber cooking, because I know this is a whole style that you and I have only just scratched the surface of, that I could really train myself to get into it. Much like when I was about sort of 15, 16, I had to train myself to get into coffee. And then I had to train myself to get into beer. It's a lot to take on, you know. There's a lot of interesting flavour compounds happening there. And I feel that that is a world that we can explore. And I look forward to exploring that. But as a, you know, dive into the deep end headfirst experience, the Berber ribs were challenging, but a strong 6 out of 10 for me. And Memphis barbecue ribs, what would you score that out of 10? I mean, only because we've given other really high scores to other things that I've enjoyed slightly more. I'm going to be mean and say it's a really, really strong 8 out of 10. But a delicious 8 out of 10 that I would happily do again and again and again. Well, I feel that if I've given the Berber ribs 8, these were better. These were Mm. outrageous. So I'm going to go 9. Wow. I think they're one of the best things we cooked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was... Nothing to fault, really. No, and the fact that they only took two hours, they didn't cause too much washing up. These get, things get points <laughs> in my book. <laughs> On that note, please don't forget to check out apocalypsepodcast.com and have a look at the recipe so you can cook some of these things yourself. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching for the Apocalypse Podcast and see lots of pictures of Bebop and pictures of all of the things that we're cooking. Join us for the next episode. See you then. Bye.